Black Equity listeners, welcome to another great episode of Black Equity Podcast. And on today's episode, we're going to have a historic conversation. We're going to have a conversation with the founder and the current uh, controlling owner of the Dream Exchange. Now, for me, this is a dream come true. We've always wanted to have a Black-owned or minority-owned stock exchange. And now we have an opportunity to have just that. Uh, So we reached out to the Dream Exchange for a really in-depth conversation about uh, how this all came about, what the uh, future is for the Dream Exchange, and how our listeners can be part of uh, everything that they have planned. And just so you have a little bit of background, uh, I want to let you know that the Dream Exchange will become a new stock exchange that will focus on small business capital formation and diversity using the power of the American investing public. This new stock exchange will allow investors to empower innovators and emerging businesses in a way that has never been done before. And at the end of this episode, we are going to have a link in the show notes where you can actually register for uh, a more in-depth, a more in-depth uh, study into what Dream Exchange has available for you and how you can get involved and sign up for their internal uh, the internal link they have for businesses and investors. So we definitely want to get into this episode. We had a really great conversation. Uh, to me, this is a, a game changer. This is going to shift everything, and we need to really get an alignment for this. And tell a friend to listen to this episode. Share the link. This needs to be in every black investor, black entrepreneur. Everybody's phone needs to be listening to this episode because this is a a wake-up call to how we can operate in business. You'll learn more on this episode. I'm so excited uh, for you to hear it. So without further ado, I'm DJ Mochu of Black Equity Network, and welcome to the Black Equity Podcast. We are back for another great episode of Black Equity Podcast. And let me tell you, I am excited about this episode. Um, about, about a month ago, I read an article about there being a Black-owned stock exchange. And literally, it was like music to my ears. It's been something I was always dreaming of because I was always like, why don't we have our our own stock exchange? Why don't we have a place where black owned businesses uh, or minority businesses can uh, flourish and, and, and have public investment. And so I'm really excited to have the, um, the co-founders on this call today for the dream exchange. Uh, we have uh, Joe, Car- uh, Joe, can you say your full name for me? Sure. It's Joe Cicela is how you pronounce my last name. Yeah. Thank you, Joe. And no also worries. we have Bill Ellison, uh, here with us on Black Equity Podcast. Welcome you both to our platform. I'm excited to learn about your backgrounds and then also the Dream Exchange. Uh, Bill, could you just tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and how this all came uh, came about? Sure. Yeah, my uh, for years now, my team is trying to figure a way that we can get minorities into the mainstream, into the economic of the U.S., and we thought of all kinds of ways, but none of them seemed to affect how we could really help the majority of, of the minority public. So we could not buy the New York Stock Exchange, but the Dream Exchange came available. What better way to get minorities involved to, with the economics than having a way that they can cheer in the stock market? And that's been our force, that's been our thoughts for some time. So Joe and I got together Joe has been working on the Dream Exchange for years, and Joe and I got together 
we participate by buying the majority share of the dream exchange. Now we like to see more and more minorities learn about it, get the education they need to participate in the stock market and share with us in this uh, avenue that we're going down, the street that we're going down. We say we're, we're minorities can really benefit and benefit not only for one generation, but for many generations to come if they participate in this dream exchange. Joe, you want to tell more about the dream exchange? Yeah, sure. So, um, and thank you, Bill. I, I'm, um, he's right. I've been working on the dream exchange for more than a decade. Um, it, it, you know, the original creation of it, my background is, um, I was the lawyer who helped work with, um, uh, a company that became known as Archipelago. Archipelago is, um, the, it's really the backbone of the electronic New York Stock Exchange. And uh, in 2005, Archipelago actually merged with the, the New York Stock Exchange. And uh, what, when people are trading stocks and large investment banks and brokers are using electronics to trade securities today, that's the very same system that they're working on. So I have, I have a background in how capital markets and how trading of stocks works. But uh, I began to realize throughout my career that the, the small capital market, small company, the entrepreneurial company, and uh, the small investor um, really didn't have the same, I, I would like to use the expression, seat at the table, mm -hmm. uh, where the participation, either intentionally or unintentionally, um, for more than uh, 20 years, it's, it's shrunken to, to nearly nothing in the public markets. And... Um, it was my desire to come up with a solution to that problem for the very small company. And what I really began to notice about 10 years ago um, was my company was working with the Chicago Urban League and uh, it was particularly difficult to work and get capital for um, minority and black owned companies. It was very difficult. So I've been cobbling together this solution for a very long time. Uh, when we met uh, Cadiz and Bill Ellison and his son, um, it was just an instantaneous uh, alignment on a solution to a very, very long-standing problem. It's, it's ironic that we're on this program because building equity, equity, mm -hmm. the, the actually ownership, the stake in things, um, isn't something that's ever been tackled, uh, especially in the, the, the minority communities. So equity as a concept is something that we're introducing to educate uh, the entire population on wealth creation, building of wealth, generational next wealth. So all of that tends to come when you have equity, when you're a, you have a stake in what you've created. So for, for a very, very long time, we've been working on it. There's uh, at least a decade of research. So this isn't something we kind of came up with last month. This is a decade of researching and uh, looking at the core sources of this problem. And when you can find what the actual causes of a problem are, you can present a, a proper solution. So what we have is a very well-designed uh, program. We're not open as, an, as a stock exchange. We have to go through the licensing process that may take a bit of time, but we are developing all the businesses that would become candidates, and we're we're in the phase of doing what we're doing now, coming out to the public, getting interest, getting the educational process in place, while we simultaneously construct the rest of the exchange, so that when we open, we're hoping to open by the end of 2021, uh, and be able to to then have our first candidates come onto the exchange and receive the power of the general American investing public for their ideas and then um, have a stake in, in the capital market system. I, I love that uh, so much. And I know we're, during this episode, we're going to give a pathway that uh, business owners can take uh, today. So they don't have to necessarily wait to have some type of interaction and be able to do some things starting uh, right on this episode. Um, before that, you mentioned core problems and either one of you can uh, talk on this. Because before we get to the solution, I do want to talk about just a little bit, what are some of those core problems uh, that are currently facing 
these small to mid-sized businesses, especially the Black-owned or minority-owned businesses, that was preventing uh, an opportunity like this from, um, from existing? Well, for a long time, minorities have had, a, have had a hard time accessing capital. Okay. And that's been a problem. I think uh, I gave an illustration not long ago that uh, until Rippy, I think it was Branch Rippy that showed Jackie Robinson how to get into the Brooklyn Dodgers. He was Aver. He was instrumental in bringing Jackie Robinson to the Brooklyn Dodgers. All black players at that time could play baseball, but having an opportunity to be at the table, to sit down and play with other players made the difference. We feel that if minorities were given an opportunity to participate in the real economics of the U.S., they can grow a business, no matter what business it may be. It may be a small business, maybe a mid-sized business, but they got to fully understand how they can utilize their capital in the way of a stock market. I gave an illustration. For a person to have capital, let's just say he had $2 million and he had stock that was also valued at $2 million. He can use that money together to buy a larger company, to branch out, to do other things by the fact that he participated in the stock market. A lot of persons don't know that you can do that. Stock is dollars. They're just in a different form. So what we're trying to do is educate more and more minorities on how, by being a part of the stock exchange, how they can benefit. And for years, uh, minorities have not had this opportunity. They have not been exposed or been educated uh, to the, in this extent. So we want to educate them so they can use their power in this regard. Joe? Yeah, so, I mean, he's <clears throat> hitting the nail on the head. The, co the core problem has always been that uh, raising capital is a relationship-driven uh, environment. Uh, as, and especially for the last 10, maybe 15 years, um, most of the capital raising has been in what they call the private markets, which is really a relationship-driven market. So if you don't have a Rolodex or you don't have a community of people around you that are vastly wealthy, it becomes difficult. Those relationships are, are even for, for me, I'm not, in, I'm not in any club. So I have some investors I know and some investment groups that are familiar with me and have worked with me, but it certainly isn't a national audience like a stock exchange. So the first, the first problem we're addressing is opening to a broad public audience the opportunity to raise the capital. And, and the real core problem that I think you, you were to really hit the heart of your question is that our research has shown that <clears throat> during the last 20 years, there's been a decline in uh, public offerings of 50 million and under. Now that sounds like an enormous amount of money to some people. Uh, but when you consider that Apple computer, for example, is worth a trillion dollars. Um, these are actually very small uh, transactions and, and they've all but disappeared. And, you know, the five and 10 million, something meaningful to actually get a business going used to be that the public markets were the go-to place. 70 to 90% of all the public offerings in America before 2001 were $50 million and under. Uh, today, we have a very, very small percentage. It's, it's single-digit percentages, so they disappeared. So that's problem one. Small businesses in general are not accessing the broad investing public in America. Now, when you add that to <clears throat> the research that shows that there's, there's been one Black-owned company ever listed on the New York Stock Exchange. Wow. Now, and I'm a researcher, so I look for small anomalies small changes in a statistic that would you know, tend to indicate there's a problem or where things are. The, the stock exchanges in America have been around for 230 years. Um, there've been thousands and thousands of companies that have come through the exchange marketplace in the United States. And arguably one, maybe two, there's a, there's, we, we've been having this discussion about the exact count, but you know, only one. And now when you take that statistic, which is that there aren't black owned companies that have been listed on stock exchanges. And you compile that, the, the treasury department researched this problem 10 years ago 
And when they researched it, they had something called the IPO task force to discover why all the public listings were going away. As part of the research, they discovered that 92% of all jobs are created in a company after the public offering. So once the company accesses the public markets, it grows 10 times what it did before it accessed public markets. So, so compile that or co correlate one black owned company in the public markets and 92% of job growth occurring in a company after it's in the public markets. And you can see that we've hit the main problem. We've hit the main malfunction, which is if we can create larger organizations and black entrepreneurship and put good and viable and really expanding companies into the community, it'll be thousands and thousands of job opportunities. And I'm, I'm one for this. I, I like to consider job opportunities as living wage so that people can actually come in and have health benefits and a, a, you know, investment retirement plans, stock ownership plans, a good salary, something that does not require them to have to work two jobs every day and to sweat it out. And, and what we've been doing is we've been arguing one side of the issue. For example, there's a lot of people who are advocates for raising the minimum wage. I'm not against raising the minimum wage, fine. But the question we have to ask ourselves is, why are we only offering minimum wage jobs to such an extent that people who are trying to survive and have a family are being offered only minimum wage job opportunities? Well, it's because these companies that need the capital don't even exist right now. So, you know, there are many departments within a larger organization from human resources to sales and marketing and treasury departments and production departments and quality control and, and uh, new business development. There's thousands of job opportunities that come from a stable uh, company that isn't merely come in and work in a retail store earning minimum wage. So those job opportunities in a really viable business, and there are thousands of them in the United States, thousands. There are thousands of them in the black community. So what we're trying to do is reach into that community and dedicate ourselves to bringing those companies along either before they're eligible, helping them become educa uh, educated as to how to be eligible. And then the more eligible companies, the more we expand that marketplace, and we begin a long-term solution to a very, very long-term existing problem. So I don't know if I answered your whole question. Sometimes I get on my soapbox. Beautiful, but I, beautiful answer to me. Yeah. Uh, I, I found something in what you were saying um, that I want to point out or at least ask about. I mean, I'm, I'm happy that the Dream Exchange is here. Don't get me wrong to, to this question. Sure. Mm -hmm. But what was preventing these black owned businesses from being able to get on the New York Stock Exchange? Is it just, is it the amount of capital that they have, the amount of revenue? Well, you gotta understand, when you have to raise $250 million to be on the New York Stock Exchange, mm. that limits a lot of people. Gotcha. And that's why, that's why we're not there. But gotcha. if you had to do 50 million, that's something that you could do. Okay. And there were a lot of minorities that can participate in that. And that's what we want to do. We want to get these individuals to see that what they can do for their business and how they can grow their business from that point. Uh, Joe, you had additional thought? Yeah, I mean, I can, uh, maybe I'll even segue a little bit back to your stories in your life. Um, so, you know, why haven't we solved the problem before? Uh, this, the, I guess the simplicity of it is, I, I don't, we're interested in solving the problem. Um, and I think it's a matter of, recognizing the exact cause of the problem. And the cause of the problem really is making the market structure available to the, the public. So because of what Bill just said, you know, the, the limitations on the listings and the dollar values and the ability to get there usually makes the journey somewhat hopeless. If you're expanding, you really do need a lot of, of initial believers and private investors. But our viewpoint is that in today's market, we, we can lower the bar without lowering the standards. There's a lot of investor protections that are in what we're doing. So we wanna lower the bar 
so that more companies, just generally more companies, but especially black owned companies are able to, to begin the process of having a stepping stone. So when you look at our marketplace, we're really a stepping stone. You know, we're not really threatening the New York Stock Exchange in any way. In fact, there may be companies that come to the Dream Exchange and then they graduate to the New York Stock Exchange. Gotcha. So that's the real issue. The real issue is, has there anyone really been interested in looking at the true cause of the problem and then addressing that? It's like a doctor diagnosing correctly an illness. If someone comes in and they say, my arm hurts and he keeps treating their knee, you don't have the cause of the problem. You're treating a symptom. You're not really treating the exact causes because when you discover a cause of a problem, then you can address it. You get to the real why. The reason why will help us to, to formulate a correct solution. And that's, we've come along to do that. I've been working on this for, for at least a decade. You know, the early research goes past, you know, 13, 14 years ago. So uh, we're here now. I, I don't know other sociological, I'm not a sociologist, but the, perhaps there are, if someone wanted to study that, I would be more than interested in uh, sharing my data. But I'm more interested, I'm a solution-oriented, very pragmatic fellow who thinks, let's solve this problem, let's get out there and get it done. You know, earlier you, you mentioned, Joe, about how important equity is. Uh, of course, with our uh, podcast being called Black Equity, it's a perfect uh, time for us to, to bring this up. Why is, and you, you touched on it a little bit earlier, uh, why is equity uh, so important and how can equity be found in a stock market? So Bill, you first or me? Because Bill, Bill loves this. <laughs> Bill loves this. You, you got to understand equity is what a person has. Okay. In the churches, we used to say you tied 10%. Right. You put it aside. If a person took whatever income they had and they put 10% aside for growing a business. That is equity. Once you build enough equity, you can make the equity grow one to seven. And that's what we're trying to get the minority communities to see, that by having money in the stock market, it grows. It's like putting a seed in the ground. Once you put the seed in the ground, you got to water it. You got to take care of it. And when it grows to be a stock, you got to reap from the harvest of it. The same thing is true with the stock market, but you have to put something there to make it grow. And that's uh, that the illustration I gave them not long ago in acquiring a company. You have to put something in there to make it grow, the equity, and that can uh, benefit everybody that's part of your group or part of your organization or part of your family, you make it grow. Joe? Yeah, so, and beautiful. I, I, I know Bill favors that question because very often the solutions that have been presented to these type of problems have been making loan programs available or making borrowing money available. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, again, I'm not against anyone. If there are good loan programs out there and people can borrow money and succeed, great. But in investors, when they're investing, the, what they're owning and what they're investing in is they own part of the company. And the owner themselves that owns part of the other part portion of equity, they're, they're all owners and they all have the same stake in the expansion. And here's what happens. Um, you know, when you, when you have a loan, it's something you, you have to repay, you have to make terms, you have to have a lot of pressure to make sure you make those deadlines. And when someone co-owns the company, when you're sharing, when you're partners like Bill and I are, when you're partnering with uh, a, a, you know, an, a company by investing in the equity of it, what you're relying on is the increase in its value to reap, to reap the rewards. And that's how wealth creation for hundreds of years in the country has operated. If you are an investor and you're an owner, as things become more valuable, so in turn does your wealth. That's where wealth creation comes from in general. All of the wealthiest families and people on the planet have been people who, who owned things that in, have, have become increasingly more valuable. That's not to say that making a living and having a valuable job and making a lot of money and even a company that makes a lot of money isn't a good thing, but it's become more prevalent today. And the, the reason equity is so important is you can see it in the marketplace. Now, Tesla Motors is a perfect example. 
It's the largest auto manufacturer in the world. And last quarter was the first time that it ever reported a profit. Well, why is that? Why, Why were they able to survive? Well, because the investing public believed in the idea of electronic automotive products and they continued to support it and they continued to buy the stock and they were continually able to raise more and more money to put new factories and new products and new ideas there. And for, for years, the imagination and idea behind Tesla Motors survived on the equity that was invested from the investing public, even though they hadn't made a dime. So the value and the, the harvesting of the wealth creation and rewards, it will, be, it will be reaped by all those investors. It's an enormously valuable company. So this is a, a, an example that we intend to take into the very small markets. Actually, the small markets are where the greatest possibility for wealth creation exists. Because if you think about it, if you have this company and it's, it's worth several million dollars where you're getting investors, and at some point the company grows to being worth 100 or 200 or, or, or more million dollars, well, those earliest investors get multiples of the original investment value. That's where real wealth creation comes from. And you never, we, we aren't doing that anymore. No one walks around on Wall Street or in Chicago on, on, uh, on Wacker Drive and says, let me tell you about this exciting new IPO and I want you to get in early. I want you to buy the stock early because it's going to be going up and up and up. Those conversations are, are, are not even being had anymore for the most part. It was a regular part of the American fabric. So there's that one overarching problem and, and what Bill is addressing. And Bill actually has some interesting stories about this where, you know, having the availability of equity instead of only debt can really transform whether a company even succeeds or makes it. Um, and, you know, he has an example. I mean, you can address the, uh, your, you, when you were trying to buy the Parker company, um, there's, a, there's a great example of had the Dream Exchange been open at that time, uh, Bill, I don't know, I'm, maybe I'm glad he may not be sitting here today. <laughs> um, but it certainly could have changed his life and, and, and his company's existence had he succeeded at that transaction. Why don't you tell him about that, Bill? Yeah, that's, uh, you know, the uh, other t- thought that I want to leave with you is that I believe the Dream Exchange is the second black Wall Street uh, uh, situation. You might remember the first one was in Oklahoma. Yes, sir. So now we're faced with another situation where black can actually own something and develop something for themselves. The illustration Joe was talking about that we had a chance to buy a company from Gillette. Gillette had a division that made fountain pens, Waterman and Parker, as well as paper mix. Uh, we did our dog and pony show. We did uh, preliminary. We did uh, went through all the books and we put a bid in for $600 million. And that was the cash flow could support that debt. Uh, Newell Rubbermaid came in and they put a bid in for $650 million. And the illustration is, the first six months, the president of that division lost his job, and nine months, the chairman of the board lost his job. And the reason for that was that they overpaid for it. Mm-hmm. Now, there's nothing wrong in overpaying for something, but you got to be a business mind and that the cash flow generated by the company have to retire the debt. And that's what a lot of people don't understand. You, you make a loan, and on your balance sheet, you have an assets of $100, and on your liability side, you have $100. But if you create more with that $100, then your balance sheet is going up. And that's what we're trying to show minorities by participating in the stock market. The Rockefellers uh, and all of the families of Ford, all of these people built their wealth primarily because of the stock market. It wasn't just their business, but they took the money from their business, put it in the stock market, and saw it triple, double. And that's how they create their wealth. So we want minorities to see the same opportunity. And if they can see the opportunity, they can share in the opportunity and participate and grow their wealth. We're ready for the next question. <laughs> well, Bill, you, you mentioned earlier this concept of $1 to 7 
And I have to, I have to dive into that a little bit more. What do you mean by that? Because I, I feel like a lot of people may love the concept, but how do you turn $1 into $7 uh, with that, that metaphor, that analogy that you're using? Well, look at any stock that's on a stock market. Okay. It never stays the same. It always go up and it goes down. Yes. So you got to look at once the stock market hit the stock, once the stock hit the stock market, they never, it, it's always increasing. When I use the illustration of one to seven, you get your return on the growth of the stock market. Gotcha. And this is what minorities have to understand. You're not giving away money. You're not just placing money, but you are investing money and you're watching it grow just like a seed in the ground. It grows. You see, it's not going to grow overnight for you. Right. So the point is, is that you got to invest it first. You got to invest equity. Once you invest it, you see it grow. And that's the return on the investment is what you look at. The word that is used in the market is an IRR, return on your investment. And that's what we want to look for. We want to see how we can get more out of it than we put into it. And the only way you can do that is invest it. Joe? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's exactly right. The, the, most people look at investing and they, they see investing through the eyes of if you make a, a dollar of investment um, and it's paying dividends or profits or it's returning cash to you because you made the investment. Um, and many of the, you know, it's like a bank account or a money market fund or a mutual fund. They, they tend to pay dividends. They pay income because you invested $1. Um, but that is really not where the true value is. The true value is in being able to choose an investment that will expand in value. So imagine that you're choosing to invest in, in a, a stock and the stock pays zero dividends like Tesla Motors. <laughs> but if you're wise enough and you've chosen that company as your investment and you've invested a dollar, well, when the share price goes from a dollar to seven dollars, the speed with which it does that, you you you've only put a dollar in, but you've expanded your wealth seven times. Now, obviously, to reap the reward of that, you you'd end up having to sell your stock. Okay. On the other hand, as you invest and build wealth, that uh, part of your what they call a portfolio, the group of investments you've made will also begin as a group of stocks to pay you some cash over time. Now, then you can choose to harvest one or more or part because if you invested a dollar and it's worth $7 and you want your dollar back, well, guess what? You don't have to sell the entire investment. You can harvest wealth while simultaneously retaining wealth. If you put your money into a certificate of deposit and you'll get 1% this year, um, when you go to harvest, you're going to get exactly the same amount of money you put into the certificate of deposit. There isn't an opportunity in most of the low interest rate investments to have growth. And this is an educational process that we need to go through with the, it's the general American investing public, because a lot of the, we talked about relationships that are out there. A lot of the viewpoints are, well, I put all my money in a 401k or I put all of my money into a, a retirement savings account. And, and that's fine, but someone else is managing what to do with the money in the 401k. Some other wealth manager, some other person. So, and, and this is another interesting statistic. I don't have the exact numbers, but in the 1970s, the early 1970s, 65% of the American public directly owned shares of a public stock. So they didn't own it through a mutual fund. They didn't own it through uh, the retirement account. They purchased stock in the stock market. And today, fewer than 18% of the American public owns direct investments in stocks. So what, what we're doing is we're taking our money and we're giving it to a wealth manager or a fund manager who in turn makes all those investment decisions. Now, we... I, I don't uh, enter into that conversation lightly because we do need to educate the public on everything Bill and I are talking about, which is you want to look at the, the company, 
that you intend to invest in through the eyes of someone who's choosing where the direction of that company will go in the future. Um, no one invests a dollar today to get a dollar back tomorrow. You want more than a dollar, right, to be successful? Yes. So there are certain ideas and certain industries and certain things that are being created today in small companies that have a, a, an almost certain future. That's what we're looking for in the exchange. And there are a lot of companies. I mean, we have black-owned companies right now uh, chomping at the bit. They have <clears throat> One has uh, um, computer waste management that is an environmental company that cleans up computer waste. Uh, because it's a highly toxic waste when people throw away phones and computers. They have technology that's amazing. It's going to be needed for cleaning up our environment. Uh, we have an organic um, agricultural company, black-owned company, that, that, that sells organic food products. Uh, another choice. I mean, when you go to the grocery store, um, there are plain eggs and there's organic eggs. The organic eggs are twice the price of regular plain old eggs. Why is that? It's a more valuable product. It is right. a more valuable product. That's why we pay twice as much for it. It's better for you. So when you start looking at companies and you say to yourself, well, I want to choose a company that's making that, that's making the thing that's better for all of us. Right. And, and they're out there and they're not just out there in Silicon Valley where, um, you know, no offense to the young people of the world, I'm not necessarily there anymore, but, uh, you know, we don't only want a bunch of, of guys with hoodies and flip-flops going into the public markets because they're the greatest, newest tech company. Right. There are thousands of companies that make things, that make ingenious things that need to get into our marketplace to offer the investment choice to the American investing public so we can all participate in expanding wealth and we're especially interested because, like I said, I, we have black-owned companies. They're waiting there. So, and that's the invitation. I know you said later on we talk about how they get started. But, yeah, we, we want to create an inventory of those companies and help them get ready. So that's what we're doing right now. And that's where wealth creation will come from. Go ahead, Bill. DJ, you asked something earlier. I want to help you to understand. Sure. The Biltmores, the, uh, the Ford family, the Rockefellers, the Carnegie. What they did was they owned stock and they barred against their stocks. Mm. So you own this stock, you own this asset, they barred against their stock and they invested the money they barred. Mm. You see that? Yes. They never lost the principal. They never lost the principal. Once you own the stock, you have the right to bar or leverage it, to bar against it, and therefore take that money, invest it in whatever you want to. So that's how they grew their money. And that we have never learned how to do that as a race. We've never been privileged. You know, you take $10, you mean I can keep the $10 and I can borrow buy $9 against that 10 and I can take that nine, invest somewhere else and get a return? Yes. So it's a whole new world out there. We have to learn about it and learn how to use it wisely to get a return on our investment. Okay. And and uh, the thing I love is not only are you putting this into place, but you're also putting the education behind it, the, the necessary resources. But you mentioned something that I want to uh, go on the other side of, Joe. You talked about these black businesses um, ready. They're, they're ready now. And I'm one of them, right? I'm ready, <laughs> I'm ready to, to learn as much as possible. But I also know that there may be some out there who may not even have heard of the dream exchange yet which i'm not sure how that's possible but i'm sure there there are a few that may not want to they may be afraid to go public what is the benefit uh if we could explain it to them what is the benefit of going from private to going to the public sector yeah I, so yeah i mean pu the public markets are let's just say this they're not for everyone i mean okay. there are there we're not destroying all private investing throughout the United States. It's a voluntary marketplace. So you, right. you're choosing to go public is definitely a decision that should be considered really carefully. But what are the benefits? The benefits are this. When an investor um, provides you with money in a private company, neither the owner of the company who receives the investment nor the investor can resell their shares of stock. That's <laughs> gotcha. so, the, so the 1933 Securities Act begins with a very hopeless paragraph. And it says, 
in the United States, you may not sell securities using interstate commerce, period. So it's done every day, gotcha. right? So how is it done every day? Right. Well, there's only two ways to do it. One, you can register your stock to be a public company. You can file what's called a registration statement with the Securities Exchange Commission. And then once you're registered, you're allowed to sell your stock to anyone in the company, country. Any person at all can buy your stock. And guess what? When they buy it, then they can resell it. So there's, the, there's what's called a liquid market there. When you also can raise money privately, you have to be prepared to file paperwork to be exempt from filing a registration with the Securities Exchange Commission. It means you don't have to file a registration, but then as a consequence to not filing the registration, there's a restriction on the resale of the stock. So it's a privately held company, which means you have to go through that series of paperwork every time you want to sell the stock. It's very wow. cumbersome, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what we're doing is opening up the marketplace to increasing what's called liquidity. Yes. So a private company will want to do this because as Bill described, there are a lot of things you can do with a stock that actually has a liquid trading value. You can borrow money against it. Why? Because the bank, if, they want, if they're going to lend you money and you decide not to repay the loan, well, guess what? They can take the stock. And if it's not a private company stock, the bank can sell the stock. So you can't borrow money against a private company stock generally because the value of the private company means that you're going to pass along a problem to someone else because they can't resell the stock either. And what is the value of the company and who will invest in it? And what is the audience of people who might want to buy it? So public markets open a free and, and fair marketplace. You can discover what the value of your company is more easily in an in a open public marketplace. You're able to use the public company to enter into different agreements and contracts with customers and vendors and banks that generally aren't available to a private company. So there's so many benefits to being a public company. Now, that's not to say there, are, there isn't some work. There's a lot of very stringent laws that apply. There's a lot of what they call disclosure requirements that you have to report the information very, very regularly. Every three months, you've got to file uh, reports with the Securities Exchange Commission. You're going to need a staff of people to do that or at least have really good outside advisors to do it. By the same token, the cost of doing that for a small company today because of financial technology and because of the ability of, of the marketplace to respond quickly to doing those documents is much less expensive than it was in the years past. But as long as you're willing to comply with the laws, there are so many benefits to, to having public liquidity. So, you know, the, the answer to the question is, if you look at the largest companies in the world, well, why do they all stay public? <laughs> um, they stay public because the option to have that liquidity and to have the share price and to have you know, hundreds of millions or billions of dollars available to expand your products and services is, is only in the public markets today. So we want to take that and scale it down and customize things so that it necessarily doesn't have to mean that it's going from hundreds of millions to billions, but perhaps from tens of millions to hundreds of millions. That's kind of a, the philosophy behind what we're trying to accomplish. And you know what I'm saying, if you're a securities professional that's listening to this or you're a lawyer or a CPA, and I'm, I, you know, there are, we have that sophistication, but what I'm trying to do is communicate to the general public right now in simple terms so that they can begin the education process, so they begin getting an understanding. So we have to start somewhere. And that's where we're really trying to start is let's, let's begin to educate on what the benefits of doing this are and see if it is for you. Uh, maybe it isn't. But in general, I would say that many, many, many small companies, really good small companies that are, that are working hard and, and paying the bills and doing the work and the labor of our country, those, those good companies really deserve to have better access to the United States capital markets. They do. Definitely. So we talked about uh, earlier in this episode about the education, about how they can go do something right now. So what is in place uh, as of today, after they listen to this episode uh, immediately, what can they go do to uh, begin the process of walking towards uh, the dream exchange? 
Right. So that's. Right. I think, DJ, you said you listened to the uh, uh, broadcasts that we had. Yes, sir. I think that's the first thing they need to do. Okay. So that they can see exactly how they fit in the overall picture, how they benefit. Okay. Uh, we have the uh, broadcasts and they are, they are set up so the public can participate. A webinar, webinar, and that's the first step. If they can listen to that, then that will help them to make some decisions on what do I want to do for the future, next week, next month, next year, five years from now. That, that would be the beginning of our suggestion, learning all they can about the stock market and how they can participate in it. Joe? Yeah, so in, and right, educating themselves, that would be first and foremost, but uh, coming to us for help in the education. So if you go to our website today, which is uh, dreamx.com, uh, dreamex.com, in there we have something called DreamX Connect. And we wanted to start today. We knew that there were going to be a lot of interested businesses and a lot of interested investors in becoming educated in how to do this. And in DreamX Connect, we've built what I consider to be somewhat of a social media platform for these type of companies. So a company today can go in, they can populate their, the information about their company in the data vault that's in the company or in the DreamX Connect uh, site. They can fill out a profile of their company. They can upload videos. They can upload worksheets. They can upload pictures. They can upload their, their, their plans and ideas for what their company is and does into DreamX Connect. We probably have close to 400 companies in there already and we've launched maybe about two weeks ago. Um, in turn, if they're an investor and we have uh, probably a similar number of investors and they too create a profile, they're able to educate themselves on what the terms of doing an investment are, what an accredited investor is, and they create an investor profile inside of, of DreamX Connect and it's like, uh, like Facebook or, or one of the social media platforms. We have an internal messaging board in DreamX Connect. So if a company is looking for a particular investor and they, they can search all of the profiles of the investors, the investors can search the profiles of the companies and they can find one another and start the process of creating a, a social media type of communication and then they can leave DreamX Connect and make their own deal today. So we, we aren't participating in uh, actually the laboring effort of doing that today because uh, you know, we're also creating um, links to intermediaries, lawyers, brokers, accountants, other service professionals that, that that's not there yet, but it's, it's on its way um, where they'll be able to connect with professionals, uh, intermediaries that can help them to work on getting the investment dollars in even long before the dream exchange opens, because we still want to stimulate so, some of the companies may be, in fact, even, uh, even today that might be too small for, uh, for being uh, qualified and credentialed, mm -hmm. but it, you know, and that, that we're trying to lower that as much as possible so that the, the candidates are very low uh, dollar value, but it's a lot of work to do that. We're, we're working on automating that process. And we have products that are educational. We have a strat plan uh, educational product that they can come in. These are some of these now these, that would cost a little bit of money, but we can do a strategic plan and help them create that strategic plan, give them the education for all the components that are going to be needed. Maybe it's a year or two years or three years out or five years into the future that the strategy of the company can then see how they make milestones to graduate into a, the public marketplace. So we have uh, educational products. We have a free system. By the way, the, the, that's the nice thing about DreamX Connect. It doesn't cost anything to go into, you know, to social media. We, we just like, doesn't cost anything to be on Facebook. Doesn't cost anything to be on DreamX Connect. And uh, we're populating that with a lot of companies and investors so they can meet in an online community and be able to go uh, you know, and meet each other personally to do whatever business deal they want to do um, by virtue of the fact that we've granted access between company and investor to one another in a, in a site that, that we're really overseeing, trying to just help people get in communication with one another. So uh, that they can do that today. 
Um, and if they want to reach out, there's also links to get some of our senior staff to talk with them and work with them on what may need to be populated, what is not eligible. There's a frequently asked question worksheet that says, you're not allowed to put these documents in. You can't put an, you can't put an offering of your stock inside DreamX Connect, that's against the law. But you can put everything else in there that informs everybody about how great your company is. Um, you can only offer stock privately. Uh, we're not, we're not, we can't facilitate that. So there's a lot of rules, but it, it, there's a lot of information there. So even answering or looking at all the frequently asked questions and contacting our senior staff is part of beginning the educational process. We're also very close to hiring uh, a new business development and his, his entire dedication is to building a team of what we call dream catchers. So the team of dream catchers is going to be out there because we want to catch, catch, help you catch your dream. And, yes. you know, and we're, we're, I guess what I would say doing this today, don't be afraid to approach our environment. We are not uh, the, the shark tank. Uh, we're not here to tell you why your dreams will fail. We're the dream exchange. We're, right. we're here to help you make your dreams come true. Understood. So the, the goal is to help to actually offer valid, uh, what I would call gentle, compassionate, kind help so that the people can be informed because it isn't necessarily the case that everyone has a PhD in finance and economics uh, when they're in a laboratory or they're developing. We have, a, I've, we've done them all. Uh, we have, mu we had a music studio. We had, uh, we, we had uh, um, medical products, uh, bio, biopharma products, uh, Midwest manufacturing, food service manufacturing, uh, every industry, oil and gas, clean tech, energy. There's so many companies. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm going through off the top of my head the companies that I was seeing come through in the last week. So whatever business you're in, uh, come and we'll explore how you can expand and make, make opportunities open up for you and become an environment where access to all of the professional help and education and funds Clearly, the, the investor profiles are important to us, too, and access to funds is generated inside the DreamX Connect uh, social media system. You know, when I, hear, when I hear what you're saying, and especially what Bill was saying earlier about, hey, going and listening to uh, the videos that you already have uh, available, and we'll make sure that we have a link in the show notes for our podcast. I just think about all the work that went into this prior to the last few weeks where everybody knows about it now and the, you know, the media is talking about it, but so much time and effort and care had to be put into this. So I want to say, first of all, thank you. Um, Cause I, I'm hoping that we'll have a lot more conversations between now and the end of 2021 uh, when uh, the launch happens, but thank you so much for putting this together because our biggest thing is connecting uh, entrepreneurs with investors. So you actually have allowed us to say, hey, there's a perfect place for you to go and, and go do that without us having to build anything extra. Uh, it's already available for us. Um, how long ago, if you could tell us, I don't know if you know the exact date, how long ago did all this start? This uh, dreaming this up and putting this all together, because there had to be a lot of work and, and time put into this. Well, I can tell you my perspective, and Joe may have a different one. Mine started about 45 years ago. <laughs> I, was gonna say, I know Bill's answer is We built the first company. I said other minorities can do the same thing. Yeah. They don't have to be genius. They right. just have the opportunity and the knowledge. And I was exposed to an awful lot. So I wanna, we want to pass that down. Now, the mechanics of uh, an exchange, Joe can tell you about that. Yeah, so the... And and really, this has just been um, that it's it's almost a semi personal question for me because you know I'm a lawyer and I'm a CPA and um, I, I guess there's a lot of other things I could be doing. <laughs> um, but what I discovered when I really got the idea um, when Archipelago and the New York Stock Exchange merged in 2005, I thought that was a wonderful thing. My my former client. Uh, became the chairman of the New York Stock Exchange. And I, I really had this hope that the systems would open uh, to the consumer 
a broadened access to the stock market. And they, they, in fact, they did, you know, there are tremendous things like E-Trade and Ameriprise and all, all of the availability of, now you can use an app to buy and sell stocks. So that did happen, but something uh, was an unintended side effect of that. And it was that the speed and the technological advancement really made uh, less for less interest in the smaller transactions because it takes just as much work to do a $50 million transaction as a billion dollar transaction, right. especially with the technological advancement. So they became a very little interest. And I discovered it really during the 2008, 2009 economic crisis, mm. because what, what was happening is I had, you know, it was on the heels of beginning to work with uh, the Urban League. Um, in fact, I had one group, um, it was a, a black owned company and they were actually trying to buy a celebrity piece of property in downtown Chicago to put a state-of-the-art fitness facility in. And I just couldn't raise any money. And we were in the middle of the economic crisis. And I, it, it dawned on me at that moment that all of the conversations that I was having pertain to the fact that investors with a large amount of money, they're choosing among alternatives. And when they look at the alternatives of these smaller companies, and then they look at the speed of the larger market and the, that alternative, they were always choosing the larger marketplace because, oh, if something bad happens, I can easily sell my stock because I, with a push of a button, this can occur. So I began to formulate a new way to go about doing that and a way that would uh, help in, in, in particular really target what we're actually working on legislation. That's one of the idea was born. I think we need to change the securities laws to customize how stock exchanges deal with the public. And so I started to research back in 2008, 2009. I went to the Securities Exchange Commission multiple times and volunteered to be part of the uh, um, small, cap uh, small capital forum. Uh, with other lawyers to look at this problem for several years and really start the research was born. And by 2015, I knew that we needed a new type of stock exchange. And that's when the journey for where we are today really began. Um, and, and we've actually worked in Congress for five years, formulating a brand new law called the Main Street Growth Act. Um, everyone should look that up. It's, it's, uh, it, the law is pending in Congress. It has um, bipartisan support in the House. It's been introduced by a Democrat and a Republican, which is a very good thing in these days. Um, it, it has a companion bill in the Senate. And what I realized is I'm speaking, whenever you have a truthful idea, when something's truthful, it's like a bullet. It's unstoppable. And yep. we've been telling the truth. Um, the truth about small businesses, the truth about what's happening in the minority communities and capital, it's just true. So I sleep at night. I, I don't have to worry about, do I have some particular agenda? And w one way I know that we were onto the truth, that, I, that the journey from the economic crisis to the legislation is really where I would say the, dream ex the power of the dream exchange existed, was when we were able to convince all 56 members of the House Financial Services Committee unanimously to vote for the Main Street Growth Act. So very rarely, I'm, not, I'm even unaware of, when a committee in Congress unanimously passes a law that's very rare. So with that unanimous consent, uh, Democrats and Republicans, uh, uh, you know, progressives, it didn't matter. They saw this as, look, this is the way to create new opportunity in the small capital markets. We have to do this. Um, you know, it's been a bit slow because of obviously since last year, we, the, the Congress was preoccupied with an impeachment and with uh, COVID and there's all kinds of things happening. But my hope is that that law will actually pass this year. Um, we really do need the public support. So if you want to call your congressman and say, vote for that law, it's going to help the dream exchange. Um, but that's the mechanics of it. I can tell you the dream of the dream exchange, the idea, the brand, the dream exchange. Uh, it was quite personal with me uh, going back about five years ago. 
We worked with a woman, her name is Cheryl Berman. She was the chairman of Leo Burnett Company for many years. And um, I sat down with her through many hours of saying what my intentions were. And she took all of her branding skills. She's the lady who coined uh, the, the expression, you deserve a break today. So she's a genius marketing person. Mm-hmm. And she, uh, it wasn't called the Dream Exchange at the time. It was being born through her help. And she made me go through an exercise with a number of other people and tell her, what if the Dream Exchange were a person? What would its personality be? Who would it be if it were a person? And we could not get a consensus <laughs> on the exact person. We had three people. And so we, we now in our branding materials, we have the three people who all, everyone who hears about the Dream Exchange views the personality of the Dream Exchange to be. And the three people are Martin Luther King, John F. Kennedy, and John Lennon. Because obviously, you know, the imagination and dreams and hopes and dreams of a, of a fair and equal marketplace mm-hmm. and a society that has rules that will do that and a brotherhood of people working together to really make the world a better place using their products and their services and their companies. That's what we're all about. We want to see all of us survive better using our money because whatever you give your money to, you will get more of. Um, if you give your money to something that's destructive, you'll get destruction. If we make, if we give our money to making more weapons, we're going to get more bombs and we'll get more explosions. And if we give our money to creating things that help us survive in a, as a better uh, society, we'll get uh, survival and a better society. That's our purpose. That's what we're trying to create. And we're especially dedicated to it in, in the markets that just have been ignored for whatever reason. I'm not interested in the politics of it. I don't care. I just want to solve the problem. So um, anyway, that, that's the birth so what, of, of what, the dreams. What was the Thank issues you. that were used uh, concerning the speed? Or was it uh, ESE? Which one? The speed of the electronics uh, stock market. So the, the ECNs. So yeah. The, ECN. The, yeah, ECN. The, yeah, the, the yeah. earliest marketplace that I talked to you about, about 2008, 2009, mm-hmm. they were born in the late 1990s. And uh, they were called electronic communication networks. And those networks were the first ever. They, there was never an electronic communication network authorized to carry buying and selling of stock before 1998, I want to say, was the first ECN market. So that, now, that's, that's, that's when it was born. That's the explanation of why the timing is right now. Yeah. By the electronic, you don't have in the ticker tape no more. It's all electronically. So minorities can participate in this time. And it could be a lower volume than the 250 million we talked about before. The timing is right. And that's why we want to, as uh, Joe mentioned, we want to educate people so that they can see that the timing's right and how they can benefit from this time forward. Well, thank you again for uh, coming on Black Equity Podcast to have, to me, this is a a pivotal conversation. Uh, Hopefully it's one of uh, the first of many. Uh, I I wanted to make sure I asked this question before you go, just in case I never get a chance to ask again. Is there not any other stock market that is tackling 50 million and less? Um, The answer to that is no, there's not. I mean, in general, I mean, so... The NASDAQ, I think, is their, their minimums are around 40. Okay. Um, but, you know, in general, that if you, if you look at the average uh, transaction size, actually, interestingly enough, in the last four or five months with, the, with COVID and things going on, we have seen deal sizes come down. Okay. And we have seen more people going to the public market. So there's an uptick, but that phenomena is only occurring out of the kind of a crisis phenomenon. Right. So it's not like, oh, some solution happened. We had a, a response to what's happening in society. Gotcha. So deal sizes are shrinking a little bit and there are more transactions. So this year we may have a, a spike in the $50 million deals, but uh, no, $50 million and under transactions, uh, the listing minimums for uh, the NASDAQ stock exchange and the, uh, the New York stock exchange are, are, are they're clearly higher and the average deal, even if, even if they lowered it, they're not actually 
uh, focused on that marketplace. There, there is, often there's a confusion as well. People talk about the over-the-counter market, um, which is mm-hmm. you're not on a stock exchange. So, you know, the reason they call it over-the-counter, it's not an exchange, okay? Right. It's actually a stock brokerage, okay? Uh, a sophisticated type of stock brokerage where you can actually get uh, the stock quoted and perhaps sold if it's a public company or a small public company, but they're not a stock exchange. Um, and we're intending to create the entire, what they call trade matching and consolidated order book where all the orders come in, we match them, we have price discovery, people can buy and sell those shares every day. And that's the benefit of what we're doing in the smaller market. So yeah, there is not an existing stock exchange that takes listings in this marketplace on a regular basis uh, at all, uh, if, if, if any, if any. So thank you for solving this root problem. It's very important uh, to our community and really for small businesses and mid-sized businesses in general. Um, so I'm definitely excited about this. Um, Bill, Joe, thank you so much for being on uh, Black Equity Podcast. You have an open door to come back anytime. Uh, to talk about this. When you launch in 2021, um, where is this going to be at? So I can, uh, I, I don't know if you're ringing a bell or. or yeah, so, um, yeah, yeah, so. Bell, yes. <laughs> uh, we, we will, we will, there'll be lots of invitations. We'll make sure you have one. Um, okay. The, the, the plan right now, um, and we're vetting spaces. Obviously, there's a lot of things happening in the market. We, we probably would have had uh, our first uh, kind of headquarters space open, but we'll be in Chicago. Okay. Uh, we have not decided on location. There's some, there's a lot of mechanics going into uh, exactly what the exact long-term relationship that we're going to enter into is. So we haven't, we haven't pulled the trigger on that yet, but that'll be coming in the next few months too. Understood. Thank you both uh, again for, for coming on the podcast. We'll be talking to you again soon. Yeah. Real pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you for listening to another great episode of Black Equity Podcast. This was definitely an in-depth conversation about the future of black business, the future of small to mid-sized businesses. This is exciting time. So if you want to be in the flow of this information, you're going to want to click the link in the show notes. First of all, register to be part of Black Equity Network. You need to have more uh, in-depth understanding of what's going on uh, in the marketplace. Everything doesn't make it to the podcast. And some things make it to the podcast a month or two after it happens. So you want to get into the flow of this early and truly transition your business. Second, you can click on the link uh, to go watch additional webinars on Dream Exchange and learn for yourself exactly how you can be a part of their ecosystem And then also potentially sign up and uh, sign your business up or sign up as an investor within their Dream Connect. These are two powerful things. Be part of Black Equity Network. Be part of Dream Exchange. Both of us are doing really great work for our community. Thank you so much for listening uh, to this episode. Rewind it back and catch all the nuggets all over again. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Black Equity Podcast.